This is episode 301 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Expiration Cheat Sheet Date for Everything, Why You Should Include a Cotton Pillowcase in Your Bug Out Bag, and Conflicted, Can't Go On, What Would You Do? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. It's time to finally advance your preparedness goals. Get the ebook and join the forums. Go to microbiz.biz for more information or just head on over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com and we'll link you right over to the appropriate page. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our first article. It comes to us from askaprepper.com. And again, this article was entitled Expiration Cheat Sheet Dates for Everything. And so this is one of those big, uh, big deals, you know, because we always talk about food storage. We talk about, you know, being prepared in that way. But expiration dates do play a part in it. And it's something that you should know. So I want to read this article. And then I just want to refer to some other things in another article that I've uh, always referred to uh, back in the day. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. To get the most out of an article about expiration, I think we need to first discuss expiration. It's a term that has several meanings in our world today, and those meanings will change when we hit Tiatwaki. To make the easiest distinctions between the several types of expiration, we must look at the effects they have on the product or the producer. There are different goals when it comes to managing the three distinct types of expiration. Retail expiration. To understand this type of expiration, you must first understand what goes into creating a product like an Oreo cookie. For example, a product like this is tested and manipulated by food scientists until the product is as near to perfection as possible. Once the size, texture, and flavor are mastered, batches are run and packaged. Nabisco offers a best by date or expiration date for retailers so that these cookies will taste just like they should. They must taste just the same no matter where you buy the packages of Oreos. Most retail expiration dates are based on quality and consistency of product. Of course, there is a little bit of turnover involved in these retail expirations. Once things are expired, the likelihood that customers will buy them goes away or decreases exponentially. Therefore, retailers are left with nothing to do but purchase or inventory. These retail expiration dates are stamped on the product. Safety expiration. All foods reach a point where the actual safety of the food comes into question. We do not see this type of an expiration date on the product itself. These are extended dates beyond that which is stamped on the can or package. These are guidelines that are approved by national food safety governing bodies and are employed by food banks all over the nation. Food banks can be sued so these are legitimate guidelines to use. Most of our expirations will be based on these food safety expiration dates. And then beyond expiration. You can go even further beyond the safety expiration dates. This is taking matters into your own hands. 
when you go far beyond safety expiration dates, there are several things you can look for to discern the potential for spoilage in that product. Smell, color, look, condition of package, damaged cans, and packaging leads to quicker spoilage. The process of canning foods in tin or aluminum cans uses a vacuum seal and a protective layer that keeps the food from direct metal contact. The vacuum seal removes oxygen, which is necessary for bacterial growth. If the vacuum seal or the protective layer is compromised, the product inside the can will be in jeopardy. So high acidity canned foods, usually 18 months after printed retail expiration date. And this would be canned fruit, canned tomatoes, tomato-based soups or sauces, canned fruits or canned fruit juices, and canned pasta. Low acidity. These have a five or five years after printed retail expiration date. So they're good five years after printed retail expiration date. Canned meats, canned beans, and canned vegetables. Guys, that's a big deal there. So if you have uh, something that, you know, the best buy date was, you know, a couple of months uh, or even a year out. And then they're saying five years after that. I mean, that's a big deal. And then you have boxed dry uh, foods. That's one year after retail expiration. And that would be rice mixes, mac and cheese, and grains. Bagged grains and beans have an indefinite but inspect before cooking and rinse. So they have an indefinite amount of time. That's one reason why we have uh, stuff like you know rice and beans are, are one of those staples that go into food buckets when we talk about long-term food storage. Uh, what about cold pre-made foods? Pre-made foods will only last three days after they expire. In most disaster scenarios, refrigeration will be compromised. If that's the case, these foods can only last four hours without proper temperature control. What about dairy? Most dairy can last between 7 and 14 days after the retail expiration. Yogurt, 14 days. Buttermilk, 14 days. Cottage cheese, 14 days. Milk, 7 days. Chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, 7 days. And I believe that's milk there. Chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla milk. Uh, aseptic packaged milk that's shelf stable, three months past best by date. And a hard block of cheese, six months. Frozen meats, one year after the initial freezing. Medicines, the efficacy of medicines comes into question after expiration. They will work, but the dosing information will not be accurate. Overdose is possible if you are not careful. Read our article on meds and expiration for a deeper dive into this topic. And there is a link here to meds and expiration. And uh, if you didn't listen to episode 300, we did talk about uh, antibiotics and expirations on that uh, in that one. All right. So uh, health and beauty supplies. So uh, bug spray, two years. Sunscreen, three years. Toothbrush. And I'm thinking that that doesn't necessarily mean toothbrush. I'm thinking maybe toothpaste. But I'm not sure. Uh, it says toothbrush three months, but it could mean toothpaste. Um, not 100% sure because I know that you know we've purchased toothbrushes and just you know left them in the packages and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm not exactly 100% sure if that does mean toothbrush, like toothbrushes that have been opened and used only last for three months, or toothbrushes, uh, or maybe it's mean toothpaste that's been opened. I don't know about that one. That might require a little bit more research. Uh, lip balm, five years, and peroxide, six months. What about cleaning products? 
Bleach, three months efficacy will be affected for purifying water. Laundry detergent, six months. Dish soap, one year. Baking soda, indefinite. And vinegar, indefinite. I'm wondering if that laundry detergent, if that is powder detergent or just the liquid form there. Um, that'd be interesting to, to note. And then automotive products. Tires last 10 years. Airbags, 10 years. A child's car seat, six years. Brake oil, three years. And motor oil, indefinite. And items around the home. Smoke alarms, 10 years. Batteries, seven years until these batteries fail you or offer much less power than you expect. A fire extinguisher, three years. A surge protector, two years. And paint, 10 years. And there's a, guys, there's a a graphic here that says the best time to replace just about everything. And if you click on it, it'll open up in a separate um, tab. And then you can click into it to, uh, to zoom in. And it just has a bunch of different items, all different kinds of items. And they're split up into, uh, you know, health and beauty, food, cleaning, electronics, home, motor, motoring, uh, and, you know, different things like that. So that's a very interest, interesting graphic to go check it, check it out. And uh, so I'm just going to let you know that. Uh, you can click into that one when you go visit the, the, the article. All right, so and the last one is long-term food storage. While many companies purport that their food would last for 25 to 30 years, what most companies neglect to inform you of are ideal storage temperatures. To get that long shelf life, you want to store the food at 55 degrees. I don't know many people who are storing food at 55 degrees. So, uh, you know, important to know that, that they're about uh, long-term food storage. All right, so the truth about expiration and survival. These expiration dates are a powerful tool to help you manage your emergency food storage and other resources kept on hand in case of a disaster. These guidelines are time-tested by food pantries all over the country. When things are going well and haven't reached a point of desperation, I think these safety guidelines work well. However, in survival, there will likely come a time when resources run out and you are forced to eat foods that are far beyond the best buy dates or even the food safety expiration dates. You may come across foods that do not have dates or the dates have been rubbed off. If you are starving, this will affect your decision to eat or not eat these foods. When the condition of a food item comes into question, be sure that you let the packaging tell you the story. The sturdier the package, the better chance you have that the food inside is safe. Look for undented seals on cans and cans that are not bulging. Look for cans that are free of excessive rust. When you are dealing with other dry packaged foods, make sure your packaging is intact. And many of these foods will be fine to eat if they haven't had visitors like pests in and out of the package. All right, guys, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about this. Just let me give you my experience here recently. And it's funny because the, the, the family always talks about this one. Uh, we had some some uh, pancake mix, you know, the kind you just add water to uh, in the pantry. And it, it had expired. And it was probably about three or four years old. But, uh, you know, I was just <laughs> I was kind of brave. And I think maybe... Um, I didn't check the, I didn't realize how old it was. Maybe that's what it was. But anyway, so I made the pancakes and the pancakes were fine. I mean, we ate them. They were a little bit grainier than other times, right? 
And so everybody, you know, everybody in the family ate them. And then, you know, they did mention, someone did mention, you know, they taste a little bit different than normal. And then somebody looked at the, uh, at the package because it was sitting on top of the, of the trash and they realized <laughs> the expiration date. And of course, you know, like everybody's like, oh my gosh, we're going to get sick. We're going to get, you know, our stomachs are going to cramp up and, and nothing happened. But, you know, there was a little bit of change in the texture of the food. We didn't die. No one, you know, no one got rushed to the hospital or anything like that. But anyway, that's one thing to consider, you know. And, and I like this article when, when James was talking about, um, you know, everyday life, you know, when things are good. These are good uh, dates to, to kind of live by. But in a survival situation, you're going to push the limit a little bit more because once the food that you have is gone, it's gone. And so you're going to push it just a little bit more, right? And so, um, you know, that's important to know. Maybe there are some foods that you can push a little bit more that um, there's not going to be, you know, you're not going to really get hurt, kind of like the pancake mix that I was talking about. Um, He does talk about um, the cans here at the end, and that's very good advice. And, you know, when, when I go to the grocery store, if I'm buying food, or canned food, I never get anything dented. And I think that's just common sense. But if you're listening to this and, and that's not you, you need to make sure that you don't uh, buy buy cans that are dented. The other thing is that um, you got to know that those the, the tin cans or the canned food that have the pop tops, those are very convenient to open, but the pop tops are a point of failure. And so uh, just actually the other day, we had some groceries. We were bringing in some groceries, and we let the groceries down a little bit too hard. And for whatever reason, that a can that had a pop top. Uh, I, I believe it was some fruit. My wife was making a cake or something, and um, it landed just right. And of course, the, the 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 can failed at the pop top, and it started leaking out. Now she was going to use it right away, so it was no big no big deal on that. But you've got to you've got to think about stuff like that. You might drop some food, a can of food, and you might not even realize that the, the pop top has failed. And so if you are purchasing food for long-term food storage, you probably don't want to do those pop tops. If you're doing like a rotation, you, you know, you're doing food rotation, I think they're fine. But if you are thinking like, hey, I'm going to put these away for maybe two or three years, you know, you need to really uh, consider maybe not getting those pop tops there or even longer, you know, canned food for even longer. So, uh, you know, good advice here and something that we should always keep in the back of our minds. I think people throw a lot of throw a, uh, food away a lot or throw a lot of food. I mean, have some proper English here. They throw a lot of food away because of expiration dates when really um, th- those are like retail best buy dates when you could be going by. Uh, more of the food safety, uh, the food or safety expiration dates, right? And uh, getting a little bit more information there. I remember when I first got into preparedness, I used to visit a website called uh, preparedchristian.net. Some of you might be familiar with it. Uh, Chris Ray uh, ran it. Well, he still runs it. It's still up. He just hasn't updated. He's been taking a break, an extended break. And uh, I always go there. There is a, a link to uh, or Chris links to uh, a website called foodreference.com 
and uh, just a lot of good information there. Uh, I'm going to link to it in the uh, in the show notes, but you can go check it out. But one of the things I remember reading, and it just kind of always really stuck with me, is that um, there's been cans that have been found that were a lot older than that you can possibly imagine, and they were tested, and uh, they were they turned out that they were okay. So actually, I want to read you just a um, a portion here of uh, this article, and it's uh, called. Um, Canned Food Shelf Life, and like I said, I'm going to link to it in the show notes, but I just wanted to read this paragraph. Canned food has a shelf life of at least two years from the date of processing. Canned food retains its safety and nutritional value well beyond two years, but it may have some variation in quality, such as a change of color and texture. Canning is a high heat process that renders the food commercially sterile. Food safety is not an issue in products kept on the shelf or in the pantry for long periods of time. In fact, canned food has an almost indefinite shelf life at moderate temperatures, 75 degrees Fahrenheit and below. Canned food as old as 100 years has been found in sunken ships and it is still microbiologically safe. We don't recommend keeping canned food for 100 years, but if the can is intact, not dented or bulging, it is edible. So anyway, uh, just, you know, that that's one reason after, you know, reading this article years and years ago, why I think that the, the easiest food storage for anyone would be, uh, would be canned foods, going to the grocery store and buying canned foods. So I, you know, if you're a new prepper, which I know that there's a lot of you, uh, new to the, to the podcast, um, you know, that's where I would start out. You need to have a plan. You need to have uh, resources or you need to have a plan. You need to have um, a menu. But if you can plan a menu with canned foods, right, and you can do a week and then you just multiply that two times, three times, four times, you have a month worth of food in canned food. And so definitely I mean, you can go to uh, some of the articles. Actually, if you go to Prepper website and you go to the start here on the right hand corner, you can hit my articles for the survival survival for the common man and go to the food the, the food article and it'll, it'll kind of walk you through this. It's actually as well. I have this in the, uh, the e-course when you sign up for the, for the email uh, list, you get automatically enrolled into the e-course. And I do have a lesson on this because I think this is the easiest entry point to food storage. After this, I believe it's food buckets with, uh, you know, mylar bags and oxygen, uh, absorbers and rice and beans. And then after that, I think, you know, you should have some long-term food storage like, you know, some dehydrated food. And uh, I always recommend legacy food. Uh, you know, I have legacy food and I think it tastes really great. I have that linked on in the in the show notes. And so you can go uh, check that out if that's something that you're interested in. But uh, go check out this, this website, foodreference.com. It is an old, I mean, this is like a 1990s website, maybe not that old, uh, maybe early 2000s website. But uh, I think it's still very valuable uh, and uh, has a lot of good information. So uh, go check that out. Um, you know, when it comes to food, I think it's very important that we know what we're talking about. We don't want to get our family sick. We don't want to do crazy stuff. Uh, but I, I think we don't want to be wasteful either. So, um, you know, I think this is something that you should put a little bit of time and effort into really knowing. All right, so again, that's over at askaprepper.com. Like I said, there's links here and also that graphic I think is really cool. You should come check that out.
All right, our next article comes to us from TimGamble.com. This article is actually very short. It's not a very long one at all, but you know, this is something that uh, I really haven't thought about as far as, um, as, as the topic here because the article was entitled, Why You Should Include a Cotton Pillowcase in Your Bug Out Bag. Now, I, I've always said like bandanas and even a, a chamois would, you know, would be uh, great additions. You should have those, but he makes a lot of sense here or a good case for having a pillowcase in your bug out bag or in your EDC or, you know, anything like that, your survival kit. And so uh, let's go ahead and read this one. Like I said, it's short. And then someone in the comment section left uh, some other great ideas. And so I'm going to read those as well. Uh, because I just think they're they're good ideas. So here we go. Why you should include a cotton pillowcase in your bug out bag over at TimGamble.com. Let's start reading. Here's a piece of gear for your bug out bag that I rarely hear recommended. A cotton pillowcase. Why a cotton pillowcase? Lightweight and not taking up much space, a cotton pillowcase has a myriad of potential uses in a survival situation. Number one. It makes an instant bag for collecting wild edibles, kindling for your fire, or anything else for which you need a good-sized bag. Number two, can be used to pre-filter water to remove bugs, leaves, stems, algae, and other rubbish before boiling or otherwise treating it. Number three, you can cut it into large or small bandages or fashion into a sling for first aid. Number four, can be cut into patches to repair clothing. A small sewing kit is a good idea for a bug out bag. Number five, can be cut into pieces to use as reusable toilet paper. Just boil to clean, disinfect before reusing. Number six, can be fashioned into a reusable diaper. Just boil to clean and disinfect before reusing. Number seven, cotton burns, so it can be used in fire making. It also makes for excellent char cloth. And number eight, can be pressed into use as a dust or smoke mask. And so, I mean, like I said, very short article, but I want to go into um, the, um, the actual comments because uh, someone by the name of Overwatch uh, left uh, a couple of other ones. So we'll end out with uh, 14. So number nine is for winter survival. Fill the pillowcase with snow and hang it over a pot near your fire. The heat from the fire will melt the snow and fill the pot with water. The snow and water will keep the cotton from burning. That's a good one. Number 10, use rolled up small strips to make a wick for a lantern. Fill a tin or small canning jar with oil, Crisco, or fat. Punch a hole in the lid, feed the wick through, and allow the oil to wet thoroughly. Light and trim. Number 11, a tourniquet. Roll it up, wrap it around the limb above the wound, tie a square knot, put a stick between the loop and the limb, and tighten until the bleeding stops. Tie off the stick to keep it from coming loose, and write down the time you applied the tourniquet. Number 12, as a shamal, cover your head to prevent sunburn. Number 13, the defensive weapon. Put a couple of stones, a bar of soap, or some D-cell batteries in there, and swing away. A couple wax should dissuade evildoers. And number 14, signaling a rescue helicopter. Put a small weight in the pillowcase, tie a rope or twine in the other end, and swing it over your head like a helicopter, mean rotor. Increase your visibility to anyone flying overhead. I've kept a pillowcase in my three-day bag for years, and there is no end to the uses you'll find 
for this humble edition. So I think that's a great idea. You know, how many times do you get new, you know, new bed sheets and new pillowcases and and you have the old ones and they're just kind of sitting there or you donate them or you throw them away or you use them for rags? If that's the case, you know, you can go ahead and put some of these in your bug out bags. And so uh, some great ideas there. You know, the preparedness community always comes up with some great stuff. There's a lot of great, you know, smart people out there. And so uh, I think this is one of those things that you add to your bug out bag. All right, guys, that's over at TimGamble.com. If you have any other uses for uh, for a pillowcase, come over to episode 301 over at the Prepper website, podcast.com, and drop it in the comment section, and I'll read it uh, or share those, uh, you know, in a later podcast. All right, so uh, because it's the Thursday podcast, I always read a conflicted scenario. Conflicted is a survival card game that has a scenario that is going to uh, make you come up with some some tough decisions, right? And it's usually you know conflicted type of decisions. The idea behind this card game is that you use your critical thinking skills. A lot of the times, it's easy to hear the scenario and then say, "Well, I, w- I would never find myself in that situation." But here's the thing. Listen to the scenario and then what, with whatever prepper knowledge you have, then put yourself in that scenario and then what would you do at that point, right? And, and so that's just a, a critical thinking exercise. It is an exercise in perspective. Try looking at it from different points of view. Uh, if you are listening to the podcast by yourself, then you know you might want to share it with someone else who uh, you know is into preparedness and say, "Hey, I heard this scenario the other day on the, on the Prepper Website podcast." And so, what do you think? What would you do? Or if you're you know riding in the car with someone and you can uh, you're listening to it, y'all can after the the podcast you can uh, talk about it. Or if you'd like to, you can come over to edthatmatters.com. I'm going to link to it in the show notes, and you can drop your answer to you know however you would go about answering the scenario in the comment section and share it with other people you know I, I think there's a lot of learning that goes into it when you read different people's perspectives because I've read uh, of course I see all the comments because I have to approve them but um, you know there's times where someone will answer I'm like man that's a that's a really great point and then someone will have like a counter argument to that and I'm like well that's a really great point too you know and then, so it's it's really great to hear other people's perspectives and, or to read other people's perspectives uh, because you learn a lot. I think that's how you learn. So uh, you know, I'm always uh, looking, I always look forward to to reading other people's responses. And so, like I said, if you want to do that, feel free to come over to edthatmatters.com and drop it in the comment section. All right. So this one is entitled "Conflicted Can't Go On." What would you do? Here's the scenario. One of your friends tells you that he can't live in this world anymore, and he has confessed to you that he wants to commit suicide. Talks with his wife and kids who are still alive and depend on him seem to do nothing to change his mind. The children are too young and his wife too depressed to be of any help with this situation. As the leader of your group, what would you do with this member and his family? All right, one more time. Let's go ahead and read this. One of your friends tells you that he can't live in the world anymore, and he has confessed to you that he wants to commit suicide. Talks with his wife and kids who are still alive and depend on him seem to do nothing to change his mind. The children are too young and his wife too depressed to be of any help with the situation. As the leader of your group, what would you do with this member and his family? 
All right, guys, so that's the scenario. What would you do? How would you handle this? Uh, and then, like I said, if you want to come over to edthatmatters.com, you can drop it in the comment section, you know, how you would answer this. And I've also linked to another article there on personality preparedness, uh, an article that I wrote back in 2012 that might be of interest to you there. Uh, just, you know, how do you see, uh, how does your personality, personality affect the way that you see preparedness? All right, guys. Well, that is it for episode 301. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have tons of ways to connect in the show notes. And I always love hearing from those of you that are listening to the podcast. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.